0: And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. The World of Mythbits Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 30- <laughs> 38 of The World of Mythbits. And I am your host, Stephanie Barty. As always. <sighs> You'll have to bear with me if I sound a little tired and my brain isn't quite functioning and I stumble over my words and lose my train of thought and I ramble like I am now. I am exhausted. But in a good way. I just spent the weekend from Friday till today at... Um, an event that I attend every year I've attended the last three years. And last year I just kind of jumped in and helped at Reg registration, um, just cause that's who I am. And then, um, was voluntold at the end of the event last year that I would be doing the same thing again this year. So I was on volunteer staff this year. (laughs) There are perks. And again, I was at the panel registration table giving all the panelists their welcome packages and everything that they would need for the weekend and their swag bag and uh, working my little tushy off. And I was a panelist this year. Now, this event is called Ad Astra, and I'm just going to read to you and tell you what what Ad Astra is. Ad Astra is a not-for-profit, volunteer-run, weekend-long science fiction, fantasy, and horror event with a focus on authors and other creative professionals. The weekend includes discussion panels and presentations on a variety of topics, including writing, publishing, TV and movies, science and costuming, as well as many events including book signings. A meet and greet with our guests, writing workshops, our masquerade costume competition, book launches, a Saturday night dance, live music, and this year will feature the Tesla Tea Service, our charity event hosted by the Toronto Steampunk Society. And then they do the Sunday brunch with all the guests of honor and the returning guests of honor. And but you buy those tickets separately. Um they have Yeah, it's an annual event presented by the Ad Astra Science Fiction Society. The society society is comprised of the corporate board elected each year at the AGM annual general meeting and the membership badge holders from the annual convention. The board is responsible for arranging the location for the annual convention and choosing the convention chairs. The convention chairs then organize the con Assisted by the Con com which is the Con Committee, we are all volunteers and fans, and greatly appreciate the support, hard work, and commitment of our teams, our panelists, our sponsors, and our members. Now, that being said, it's not just science fiction, fantasy, and horror. There's romance. There's um, magical realism. There's all genres, basically. This year... Let me go back to the homepage... Because I can't shush. CJ says hi, everybody. He missed me, apparently. A lot. (laughs) Um, This year, for Guests of Honor... We had Tanya Huff... Who is a well-known Canadian author... Laura D'Souza, The Stone Dragons, they were musical, Dana the Sloth, Lucian, Robert J. Sawyer, Ed Greenwood, who was always a favorite, Julie, oh, Chernita, and Eric Choi. He was a returning guest of honor. Actually, there were four returning guests of honor, Robert J. Sawyer, Ed Greenwood, Julie, Chernita, and Eric Choi. Um, I did two panels at uh, the conference. I did one Friday night called, uh, it was about retaining your Canadian identity in, a, in an American literary world. And I had some incredible, incredible panelists with me. I had Tanya Huff was one of the panelists with me and uh, Robert Sawyer and Douglas Smith and Amanda's son, she's another, they're, they're all authors. And MJ Moores was with me as well. And we were discussing how you retain your Canadian identity when your, most of our, our literary market is American and things that you should give up, things that you shouldn't give up, things you should fight for, um... And there was a wide range of opinions on several topics. We didn't always all agree on certain things. Now, the longtime authors that have been doing it 30 plus years that were on the panel were very staunch and very don't give this up, don't give that up. But they've been doing it 30 plus years. As a beginner author, you kind of have to get your foot in that door first before you can make your stand. But we all agreed. One of our biggest pet peeves was spelling the difference between Canadian spelling and American spelling. And unfortunately, when most of the readership market is American, you have to play by American rules. Um, that's just how it is. You want to sell books. The biggest chunk of the market is the American market. And um, one of our author, one of the panelists, one of the authors said that they fought for the Canadian spelling. And when it was published, most of the American reviews that they received was okay story or great story. Too many spelling mistakes. Meanwhile, in Canada, everything was spelled correctly. So, you see what I'm saying? You know, they see a Canadian spelling. I don't think, um, as a general rule, that Americans are... The average American is exposed to Canadian spelling on a regular enough basis that... It doesn't even register on their radar when they're reading. Whereas in Canada, we are inundated and have been saturated with American literature, American media. Um, so when we see the different spellings, it doesn't, doesn't matter. We can just kind of go, all right, and carry on. Um, another uh Topic that was discussed was keeping your locations generalized. Because, you know, describing small town Ontario or the coast and the mountains in BC, or you know what the air smells like during lobster season in PEI, um most Americans wouldn't be able to connect with that because they're not going to know. But one of the differing opinions is that by a lot of the world, including um the United States, Canada is used at viewed as an exotic locale. So describing um Toronto, like using Toronto or Montreal or Edmonton or, Um, none of it in your stories gives it that exotic feel, whereas it's normal for us. I don't tend to agree with that because if I'm reading a story and it's set in a place, I don't know, and it's using references that people who lived there would understand, like, you know, Joe Blow's Cafe shop. ...on the corner of 8th and Delaware... ...I'm not going to know that shop. But if you're talking about small-town Pittsburgh... ...and you say the coffee shop on the corner in the center of town... ...okay, fine. Now I've connected. Because I can picture it in my mind in my own town. Um. Anyway, it was a really, really, really good panel... All of the panelists had a lot to say. Um, One of the, the surprising things that I heard from a lot of the panelists is about having an American agent because we are predominantly selling to American readers. It's good to have an American agent because that agent can meet up with the American publishers um, and things like that. So it was a really good panel, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. Went really, really well. The questions that when I opened it up, because I was moderating the panel, so I basically was was running it and kind of steering the direction and making sure all of the panelists had their say. And you know, I got my two cents worth in. Um, the other. When I opened it up for questions, I told you I'm exhausted, so my brain just kind of, at times, goes off. <laughs> and I have to mentally switch it back on. Um, when I opened the floor to questions, there were a lot of really, really good questions about publishing and um, do you need an agent? Should you get an American agent? Should you get a Canadian agent? Should, should you only... Submit to Canadian publishing houses. Should you only submit to American publishing houses? Things like that. It was really, really good. I really enjoyed doing that panel. And I actually was taking notes on a lot of the things that came up in the panel that I hadn't thought of. So I will be doing um, a formal discussion. It won't be a panel. I won't have other panelists with me. I will be doing a talk, giving a talk on retaining your Canadian identity in an American literary world to, now this, see, this was, this one was done primarily to Canadians. We had two, two Americans in the audience (laughs) and I will be doing it at Jay Zaman's Pop Culture Expo, PCE in February, 2020 in California. So, I'm going to have to modify it a little bit more in the sense of instead of explaining how to retain your identity in an American literary world, more to explaining why we f- we need to retain our identity and the reasons how we lose part of our identity um, and things like that. Anyway, the other panel that I was on was Saturday morning. These people, I just don't know. I'm not a morning person. I I went to bed at a decent hour Friday night. I think it was maybe 1. 1.30. Uh, so, it wasn't too bad. So, 11 o'clock, Saturday morning, I had a panel with Moira Scott and Karen Dales, and Evan Dales, Karen's husband. I always want to call him Dale Evans. (laughs) And it was on the history of witchcraft. As you know, I follow an alternative spiritual path. And again, it was full house standing room only and we went through the history of witchcraft and um how it started where it started when it was brought into the mainstream Um, it's been around a lot longer than gerald gardner google him it's it's a craft it was anybody who Did healing with herbs or poultices or um, believed in alternative deities like the Egyptians. The Egyptians have had, they've been a polytheistic uh, religion for thousands, thousands. Like, I, I. I'm probably wrong because my brain is fried, but like 23,000 years they have been a polytheistic religion. Um, And I mentioned the Egyptians, I'll tell you why (laughs) later. (laughs) But the craft has been around for a very long time. And we're lucky to have some of the traditions and the the rituals and the um, spells and things that we have now, because it was always originally an oral tradition. It was things that were handed down, like your mom teaching you how to make an apple pie because her mom taught her how to make an apple pie and her mom taught her how to make an apple pie and so on and so on and so on. It was an oral tradition, but Karen and Moira know their history inside and out frontwards and backwards and upside down. And I always learn something from them. When I do this panel, I did the same panel with them last year. And I always learn something from them. It's quite amazing. Karen was actually involved this year in November at the um assembly of World Religions, the Conference of World Religions in Toronto that was held in Toronto this year, and she was there representing the pagan community. And so that was pretty interesting. So yeah, I did the two panels, so I was done all my official panelist business by noon on Saturday, and I was free to attend panels and mix and mingle. Um, Karen had a table in the vendor's room, and she said, you know, did you bring any books with you? And I said, well, of course I did, (laughs) just in case I came across somebody who wanted one. She said, well, go grab some, throw them up on the table. So I did. I threw some up on the table and sold them all. Yay, me! I was very happy with that. And um, they were all signed. Um, So that was fun. And a lot of walking, 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 upstairs, downstairs, back and forth. And basically, I, I went down, my friend Melissa, um, fellow writer, she dragged me to this convention three years ago, kicking and screaming pretty much. And this convention has actually became part, has become part of my author creation story. <laughs> because when I went three years ago, I was an aspiring author. I was already a writer. And I always crack this joke. I was already a writer, but authors get paid. So I was an aspiring author. And I don't even think at that point. Oh, yes, the manuscript was finished. At that point, uh, it was complete that when I went that first year. Um And then when I went back the second year, last year, I was going as a soon to be author because I had already pitched my book to a publisher. And we had agreed. Well, he had agreed. He had um Expressed an interest and he wanted to publish my book, but I had certain hoops, if you will, that I had to jump through first. I had to, you know, build a fan base, build an audience, let people know what my writing style was. So I was in the process of doing that, um, writing stories, short stories, and poetry for the World of Myth magazine. <laughs> So, they're part of my author creation story as well, and this year, I returned a full fledged royalty check received book in hand with more books coming author so it was kind of, i mean it was a quick journey it was only a space of three years, but it was kind of um not vindicating or, or validating, but I was talking to some of the staff members that I've gotten to know really well over the years, um, telling them that, you know, you're part of my creation story. And he turned to me and he looked and he said, you know what? You just became part of ours now. You are part of the Ad Astra story. They have several authors that started out as, you know, aspiring writers and then aspiring authors coming to this convention. This convention has been around, this was its 38th year. And they have gone on and they are now best, best-selling authors. So to be told that I am now part of that story, of, of that Ad Astra story, was, was incredible. It was an incredible moment for me. That was validating. <laughs> I will admit, that was validating. Um, but yeah, Ad Astra is part of my author creation story, as is the World of Myth magazine, part of my author creation story, because it got me out there. It got me writing. It got me putting things out there for the public to read and having people read what I've written and get to know my style and get to know... um my creative side and, and what I, I can do. Um, and if I can be so bold, created a fan base for when the book came out. And when the book came out, pre-sales were just like gone. It was incredible. And it's still selling and it's just amazing. And it's, yeah. And I got totally off track. But anyway, I went, I spent the weekend at Ad Astra. So Saturday. Um, Saturday evening is always the masquerade costume contest and, um, Melissa, who she drove down and we shared a room and, um, Lovered Pieces. I have known Melissa since high school. I don't know what the American equivalent of high school is, or if you even, if you use the same word. Um, I met her in high school, not as a friend. I was dating her brother, Randy. (laughs) That's how we met. I was dating her older brother and, uh, I've known her since then. Like I've known her since high school. So we're, we're talking 30 plus years. So when she says, come to something with me, you'll love it okay, I'm trusting you. But I also know that if I don't love it, I can kill her. <laughs> and she'll still love me. So I, I go down with her every year and I share a room with her. And pretty much we get there Friday. We do our thing at Reg. And we get into our rooms. And then we go and we get dinner. And we wander. And just kind of chill Friday night. And hang out together. Um I had to go do my panel. So with me having to go do my panel, I lost her. As soon as her and I are separated, it takes us forever to find each other. And we kind of gradually, it, it'd be like three or four hours, then it's like, oh my God, there you are, okay. Um, or I'll get a, a Facebook message, where are you? Or I'll send her one, where are you at? <laughs> uh, and then we'll, we'll see each other. At bedtime, like Friday night, we both went to bed at the same time. Because I had to be up early Saturday morning and she had to do a panel at noon. But I didn't see her hardly at all, all day Saturday. She was doing her thing, I was doing my thing. And then we met up for the masquerade costume. And and how we ended up meeting up was I couldn't find her anywhere. I couldn't find her. And I knew she would be starting to get ready for the masquerade costume contest because the costume she was wearing took a bit of work. She Her face was all blue, so she had to put all her blue makeup on. So I thought, well, I'll go over to Timmy's, which for my American listeners, if you don't know what Timmy's is, it's Tim Hortons, and if you don't know what Tim Hortons is, it's a coffee shop. It's like your Dunkin' Donuts. We call, We have a Tim Hortons, you have Dunkin' Donuts. So anyway, I went over to the Timmy's, which was like 20 feet from our, or 20 feet, 200 feet from our, our room. It was great. I went over, got myself a soup and a sandwich, went back to the room and there she was. I'm like, ah, there you are. And it was good timing actually, because she finished putting her makeup on while I gobbled down my soup and my sandwich. And then I had to help her get into her costume. I didn't have to, but I did. Helped her get into her costume. And then, um, she needed a handler because it was very hard for her to see because her costume consisted of dark sunglasses as well. So I went with her open doors and then I went into the green room with her because I had to fix her hair. I had to make sure things were tucked and, and pulled and fluffed at, uh, yes, I did fix her boobs. <laughs> they were lopsided. And you know, pulled down where they're supposed to be pulled down, pushed up where they're supposed to be pushed up, straightened out. So I was basically her handler in the green room, making sure her costume was all perfect because she couldn't. Once she was in full costume, she couldn't. I had to fix her hair to keep it out of her face. You Because she had this long, um, long wig on and it was blue. And then she went to be judged. And then I went... They were, they filed all the contestants out to take them backstage in preparation for the contest. So I do all this work. I help her out. I'm so excited because each contestant also has to get up on the stage and do a little skit to show off their costume. Like, what's your costume about? Do a little, you know, have a little, the announcer read a little something funny or do a little skit or whatever. And she had written one, and she was a little nervous about it. She wasn't sure if it was going to, the line, if she wasn't sure if the MC was going to deliver the particular line the way she wanted it to be delivered to get the laugh. So I went into where the stage was, and the band was just finishing up, so I thought, okay, well, the sound guys have to reset everything, so I'm going to pop outside, have a few drags off my vape, Well, I got out there and of course, you know, as things tend to happen, I ran into a few people and some of them were interested in the magazine, The World of Meth, and in this podcast. So I got talking to them and I was a few minutes longer than I had anticipated. So by the time I got back, the costume contest was over and I'm like, oh my God, I missed her. Crap. But everybody I talked to was like oh yeah 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 the, the, the blue the blue chicken the purple that was my favorite skit that was so cool and I, I'm like that was Mel oh my god are you kidding me so it, it was really good to get that feedback with them not even knowing who it was so I finally found her and we went back to the room because she wanted a tea or we went to the Tim Hortons because she wanted a tea and then the dance was starting And I wasn't feeling... See, our room, it was really, really hot while we were down there. It was... I mean, technically, it was only like 81, but with the humidity, it felt like it was over 90. So it was technically 90 degrees, and it was hot, and it was sticky. And I'm not used to air conditioning. I don't have air conditioning in my house. We survive with ceiling fans and oscillating fans and upright fans and, and open windows. So... And I also am not used to the city. I live in the country. We have clean air for the most part. There's not a lot of traffic. There's not a lot of congestion. There's not a lot of tall buildings. So here's this country mouse down in the city, surrounded by tall buildings and smog and air conditioning, but we kind of needed the air conditioning in our room because it was so hot. I had the Air conditioning set on meat locker. So it was really, really cold in our room. But, and the whole hotel was air conditioned. So my throat was getting really sore. My sinuses were really sore. I felt like I was coming down with a cold. So I'm like, ah. Uh. So we went back to the room. I took a bunch of Advil. I don't know if you guys have Advil in the States. Tylenol. Their are headache medication, pain medication, over-the-counter stuff, and two allergy pills. And about 45 minutes later, I felt great. Great enough that I went and got myself a drink. That was my first mistake. (laughs) It went down really, really well. And I felt even better. So then I went and got myself a second drink. That was my second mistake. That was my last drink though. I only had two drinks because I felt really good and the dance started. The music was really good. We were having a blast. Um, it was one uncomfortable spot in the evening, but that was dealt with. But anyway, I digress. It was great at one o'clock or one thirty. Mel had had enough. She was exhausted and I have a tendency to, um, stay to the very last note of the very last song and then i end up hanging out with um the djs and my friends you know i hang out with my friends and this year was no different so the dance ended and um amy and i helped everybody got their stuff packed up because i mean these are djs that show up with a laptop and plug it into the sound system and go. No, these are professional DJs. They have a mixing board, and there's three of them, and they're playing off of each other, and they've got song lists, and it's just it's an incredible thing to see. And I know one of them. Well, I know them all really well. And um, one of them, we joke, he's my con husband, which means because we're such good friends, he kind of, he's all, we always hang out together and anybody on the outside would look at us and think, oh yeah, they're a couple because it keeps all the creepers away. I'm a married woman. I don't need to be hit on. I don't need to be, um, harassed. I don't want to have that conversation. Like, dude, you're really nice, but I'm married. Go away. It just prevents all that. It just, it prevents all that because my husband doesn't come with me. So I have a con husband, kind of like a work husband. (laughs) So anyway, we take everything back up to their, to the suite and put all the DJ stuff away. And, and then everybody's like, okay, well, last smoke and we'll go to bed. Well, I wasn't tired. I was still wired. Well, Dan, the con husband, he was still wired too. So it's like, well, what are we going to do? Everybody go to bed. So we're kind of wandering around and everything's closed. It's two o'clock, two thirty in the morning. And, uh, We ended up, this is where I'm going to get into the Egyptian story. We ended up sitting, um, there's a little parkette, I guess you would call it. It's got three Egyptian-looking benches and some flowers and a couple of trees in front of the hotel. So we were sitting there because he smokes and I vape and, you know, it was a nice night. And we ended up getting into a very in-depth, Theological conversation on spirituality, fact and fiction. Translation. He has a degree from um, Toronto University in Egyptology. So yeah, and it, it, we ended up. And then we've got onto lineage and um, tracing family lineages back and. The, the theory of what the Holy Grail really is and, um, you know, the line, the Holy Grail shall contain the blood of Christ. Well, does that mean, would that possibly mean that the Holy Grail is actually a child? Um, yeah, it was, it was a great conversation. And I mean, we were throwing ideas and, and information back and forth. And I grabbed my phone at one point and looked at it and went, holy crap, it's 3.35 in the morning, I need to go to bed. (laughs) That's when we went, oh, yep, time to go to sleep. Because checkout was at 11, and if I know my roommate as well as I know my roommate, she'll let me sleep as late as humanly possible, but then she'll have to wake me up. And she's a morning person, so she's very bubbly, very bouncy, very cheery, and I love her dearly. That being said, I am not a morning person. I don't do bouncy, bubbly, and cheery. I don't do bouncy, bubbly, and cheery at the best of times when, you know, I'm well caffeinated and it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm not bouncy, bubbly, and cheery. So I knew I needed to get to sleep, or I was not going to be able to face bouncy, bubbly, and cheery in the morning. So we parted ways, and I went to bed. And yes, at 10.28... She did let me sleep as late as humanly possible. out was at 11, although I don't think they were going to set us on fire if we were past 11. Technically, we didn't leave the room till 11.30. Anyway, um, there she was, bouncy, bubbly, and cheery. It's time to get up. As softly as she could, from as far away as distance as she could. <laughs> and as soon as I moved, she was as far away as she could possibly get and out out of the way of the coffee pot. So I could go and make a coffee. <laughs> and once I was caffeinated, I was, I was much more sociable. And today, a lot of walking because I lost her and she had put her jawa costume on. And I'm walking around and I'm have you seen a wayward jawa? I've lost my jawa. My jawa is gone. I can't find her. Meanwhile, she's hiding out in the 501st costume room. I'm walking everywhere through this hotel looking for her. And there she is sitting in the room with everybody. What the hell? Finally, I gave up and I went and sat outside. I figured, you know what? She'll find me. And she did. Not five minutes after I sat my butt down and went, okay, I'm just going to sit here and wait for her to find me. She found me. (laughs) And... There are still panels going on today and, and, and things happening. Um, and then they had closing ceremonies at four and an hour and a half later after. Because goodbyes always take an hour and a half. Always. Doesn't matter how quickly you try and make them. They will be an hour and a half. Every time. Guaranteed. Goodbyes will be an hour and a half. Uh, so we got the car loaded, drove home, and it is actually 9.42 Sunday night. Yes, I know. I'm not getting my two weeks in a row now. I, I'm getting on, on with this. Um, I'm not going to be getting my 11 o'clock. How's the podcasting coming? Because the podcast will be done and to him before 11 o'clock my time. Because I am exhausted. Now I have a week to prepare. Because Saturday, coming up, I will be in Elmvale at the Elmvale Sci-Fi Street Party Fair. Yeah, something like that. It's a one-day event. It's a period of a few hours, several hours, actually. I am the guest author for that event. And on the way home in the car, Mel says, oh, by the way, you have to do a 15-minute reading from your book. Uh? Oh, she says, you have to do a reading from your book. Okay, fine. You know, I can pick two or three pages. It's not a problem. So, how long is the reading? Well, all the other authors are doing 15 minutes. Okay, wow. I am the guest author. So I can't do any less than 15 minutes, damn it. (laughs) So now I have to read from my book to people. So for the next week, I'm going to be, uh, I've already chosen my selection. Thank you, Dave. You are awesome. I think I told you that several times this weekend, that you are awesome. Um, I've already chosen my selection, so I will be setting a timer and I will be reading from that selection up to 15 minutes and seeing where I stop and practicing it so that I'm not stumbling and tripping over my words, because that would suck. So yeah, that's happening a week later, and also this week I will be getting back to everybody Um, tomorrow is the deadline for submissions for the World of Myth magazine, so get your stuff in. Please, 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 please get your stuff in. And I will be getting back to everybody this week that has already submitted stuff and telling them yay or nay, if your stuff's in or if it's not in, um... Mark, if you're listening to this, yes, I did receive that file that you asked me about. Sorry, I forgot to get back to you when I got home. Like I said, my brain shut off. And I just remembered now that I did actually look. I just forgot to email you. So if you're listening to this podcast, I will email you tomorrow and tell you that I did. But if you listen to the podcast before I email you, you know, yes, I did get that. Um, Let's see. Oh, and in August, I will be... The tall ships are coming to Midland. Um, I'll say that a little slower for you. Tall ships. Schooners. And, yeah. Yay! And seeing as um the main character in my book is a shipbuilder, and he builds schooners, being at the tall ships, my friend Lally Napier has a table Is going to have a table at the, um, in the vendors area at the Tall Ships. And she has offered me space on her table. Yay. Lolly, Lolly's awesome. I love her so much. And so we will be sharing a table. So I will have my book for sale at the Tall Ships, which I think is just absolutely the coolest thing that I'm going to have my book about schooners at an event where there are actual, real schooners. And trust me, I've done my research on schooners, and I want to take a close look at a real schooner and go, yeah, that cannon could go right there, and it could go right there, and right there. you know what I mean. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, After pause for the cause. I need a drink of water as I completely pour it down the front of my pajama top. Yeah, I'm already in my pajamas. It's not even dark out yet. And I'm in my pajamas. I am that tired. I, next year, I will be taking my own pillow. I can't, I'm allergic to feathers, so I can't do down. Down, I just wake up and I sound like Darth Vader with a head cold it's just not pretty um so they brought me a foam pillow which was hard as rocks i don't think it was full of foam i think it was full of small pebbles so next year i'm bringing my own pillow i'm i looked at it when i was packing and thought uh well, you know i'll be fine i'll just get it down i'll just get a foam pillow from them no next year i'm bringing my own pillow just saying so yeah, get your submissions in, send them to Stephanie Bardi at theworldofmyth.com. Don't forget to read the guidelines. Don't forget to follow the guidelines. You can find them over at www.theworldofmyth.com. I told your brain not working. They said, okay, thanks for coming to Ad Astra. See you next year. And my brain shut off. It had enough juice to keep my legs moving. And even that was, you know, iffy at times. <laughs> but all in all, it was a great weekend. I had an amazing time. I always have an amazing time. The Concom staff are amazing people. I have made wonderful friends out of all of them. And their hospitality, their friendship, their enthusiasm knows no bounds. I can't say enough about Ad Astra. And you should all come and check it out next year. I will be the crazed looking one at the panel registration table, handing out your panel registration packages. <laughs> and don't forget, go over and check out www.theworldofmyth.com. You can find us on Facebook at The World of Myth Magazine. You can find the podcast on Facebook at The World of Myth Bits Podcast. You can find us on Twitter under the same names, the World of Myth Magazine and the World of Myth Bits podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Lupa B or on Facebook at Stephanie Barty Author. You can find me on Instagram at Author Stephanie Barty. And I think, uh, hold on. <laughs> I think, I was going to say, I think that's it. But, oh, oh, my goodness, okay, yes, P.C.E., how much time do I have? Okay, P.C.E., P.C.E., we have confirmed, that was a very Chevy Chase, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation kind of singing voice, wasn't it, um, We have, confirmed, for PCE, Carl Gottlieb, who is the screenwriter of Jaws and the Jerk, and Sam Quasman, who is a voice actor for, or was a voice actor for Robot Chicken and Tom and Jerry. Um, there are several other things in the works soon to be announced. And, Yeah. It's gonna be fun. Okay, so no. Never mind. So yeah, those are the those are two of the celebrities confirmed so far. And let me just double check to make sure I got those names right. Yes, Carl Gottlieb, who is the screenwriter for Jaws and the Jerk. He will be there, confirmed. And uh, da, 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 Sam Quazman, who is confirmed, and he did voices for Robot Chicken and Tom and Jerry. Yay! And he was a little quacker from yeah, he was a little quacker from Tom and Jerry. He was the past voice of a famous feathered friend that you might know. <sniffs> That probably sounded ridiculous. Dave, you can take that out. (laughs) Anyway. um, Yeah, he's done some famous Feathered Friends. He's done Quackers from Tom and Jerry. He's done Robot Chicken. So, yep, those are two confirmed. And there is more coming, so stay tuned. All right, folks. I am hitting the 50-minute mark. My voice is failing. My body is saying, lie the hell down, please. I need to sleep. So, I will talk to you all next week. Don't forget to check us out at www.theworldofmyth.com and send us your stuff. Let me have a look at it. Don't be a scaredy cat. Okay, everybody. See ya. The world of myth bitch.